0: Today I'm talking with Assim Docs, who's the founder and CEO of Worldcentric, based in California. Worldcentric is a for-profit social enterprise, and in addition to the sustainable compostable products that they sell, and they have a recently launched retail line that you can find in places like Whole Foods, they also really work hard to educate consumers and support nonprofits on environmental and social justice issues. So, Asim, it's really interesting to be speaking with you today, and I look forward to, to hearing your explanation of how you evolved WorldCentric into the for-profit social enterprise that it is today. So, thanks.
1: Thank you, Olivia. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, WorldCentric began in 2004 as a nonprofit, Uh and today, as I just mentioned, you're a for-profit with a, a new expanding retail line. Can you talk to us about how this nonprofit morphed into a for-profit and and walk us through that journey and the history?
1: Uh, Definitely. When we started in 2004, we started as a nonprofit with the mission or the idea that we wanted to educate our local community and the larger, broader community about environmental and social issues, and as well as tie these issues to everyday choices people make when they purchase um, any product for daily consumption, whether it's clothing or energy they use or uh, the food they eat, so everyday consumption choices and how they impact uh, the world socially and environmentally. So that was kind of a mission, and we wanted to bring that out uh, initially to the local community, but also thinking of ways how we could broaden that out and get the larger community involved so when we started that out, we for the first year or so, we kind of focused on that, and we did a lot of educational activities around that. Some of the things we did were offer courses on global, globalization, sustainability, simple living, and as well, the, the one main thing we were doing was bringing in a lot of films and speakers. So we started to show films on human rights, uh, globalization, social justice, uh, different environmental issues, and the idea behind the films was that they are much more a visual medium, and people get it more easily than than having somebody coming and talk to them, or or having or people reading a books often. So it's, it's kind of a short format, and people get what's going on. And then after the films, we would have generally a discussion, or often we would have a speaker who would come in and kind of lead the discussion on this particular topic for what the film was being, what the film was portraying. And we did that for for about a year, but then it soon became evident that we needed some way to support us financially because just doing these educational activities was not going to bring any kind of revenue for the folks who were going to be involved in this effort uh, as a full-time work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So So then, so most most traditional nonprofits, the way they kind of fund themselves is by fundraising. So either go out, you're always asking for money, or you're writing grants to kind of support your mission. But that was one thing we thought that well, this is not how we want to do the work we wanted to do. We wanted to have kind of a revenue stream which would come in, and that revenue stream would come in through some sustainable. Uh, goods or services which we were bringing to the market, which aligned with our mission. So in that respect, we started to look at what we could do, which could could be a revenue stream, uh, which at the same time would support us and bring a sustainable product or service to the market and as well as allow us to keep on doing our educational work. And we looked at many things from wind energy to mattress recycling to reclaiming waste and And it seemed at that point the easiest thing we could do with a limited amount of cash and capital we had was to to put up a website and start selling some fair trade products which we which we could find some producers for, and as well as some of these green compostable products which we are currently the main things we sell huh? and 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 over time, just organically and word of mouth, the business started to develop, which is the sale of the Fay trade products and as well as the compostable products and We didn't have any sales, we didn't have any marketing; it was just word of mouth and also especially for the green compostable products, we were one of the first movers in this space. There were not that many companies out there selling these products, so these products are made were made from sugarcane wheat straw or corn and mm-hmm. they're um, they come from sustainable materials and for the wheat straw and sugarcane they actually waste materials from the agricultural industry and uh and they they compost uh, or if they composted they break down and within 180 days so so we were we were on the one well, of the first ones, and, and as a result, just word of mouth, the business started growing over time. And then we found that we started in 2004 as a nonprofit, and we found by 2000, end of 2005 or beginning of 2006, that a lot of our time was essentially going towards the business side of things. We were still continuing to do our educational work, but mm-hmm. it was getting less and less because there was still not that much cash flow coming into the business where we could support both hiring more people or having more people within WorldCentric to do both the educational work and the business work. And so kind of this so it's kind of ironical in some ways that we started the business to to be able to support the educational mission. But what happened was that as the business grew, a lot more and more and more and more time started going into the business. Mm-hmm. So by the end of 2008, we had grown quite a bit. Again, word of mouth, very little sales and marketing, or almost no sales and marketing. And by the end of 2008, the only thing we were doing was film series and speakers, and we had stopped kind of all the other educational activities which we were planning to do or were doing. And then in 2009, it kind of, we started thinking, well, what are we? Are we a nonprofit? Or now are we a for profit? What are we doing what, you know the, the main thing we are doing right now is we 're selling uh, these compostable products but in in what way does that constitute uh, charitable activity yeah? or or would, would which would be classified by the IRS as a non profit activity it's kind of it, it was becoming more equivalent to like having a a green company selling green products, whether you're doing solar panels or maybe even you take the model of Toyota selling green green uh, Prius which is a green car uh, it, it was it, it was it was something where we had morphed from being an educational organization into being much more a business so. and
0: before you, before you continue this is so interesting to me how I mean, how did you grow to be so successful with just word of mouth? Is it that you were, from the beginning, providing products that people couldn't find elsewhere? I mean, I, perhaps in the case of the compostable products, but there was a lot of retailers and online retailers of fair trade products. What made people want to buy from you?
1: Well, I, I think one of the things which which helped us was, um, was our mission in the sense that well we 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 were not well, it's it's hard to really say what what really transpired, but I think what what the feeling I have is that what happened was that we were a non profit at that point trying to sell these products and saying that as a non nonprofit we are selling these products, but all the the money which which we are generating from this business activity is going to go for some social good. It's not going to go towards um, personal good or in somebody's pocket. So I think that, in some sense, attracted people who were really aligned with that with that value or that way of doing business where they said, well, okay, I'm going to support this organization because I know that the, the money I spend here and any profits these guys would make, it will go towards doing some social good as you opposed know, Go ahead.
0: But I'm thinking of the Girl Scouts. And while many of us really enjoy their cookies, some of us would probably prefer a, a certain beverage farm brand, but we choose to buy Girl Scout cookies because it's a, direct, it's a direct way to support them. So it makes sense when you're talking about it like that and really presenting your, um, your products as connected to your nonprofit mission. Uh,
1: yeah, I think so. And, and, and especially for the green compostable products what would invariably happen often would be that some of the large institutions which we sell the products to, there would be a champion or one person inside the institution who might have found us while searching on the web, and they would be looking at our website, and they would say, well, I really like what these guys stand for. I really like their values. I really like the mission, and I really like the products they have. So I'd rather support these guys than than someone else who doesn't have those values doesn't have those have the mission and is just selling a product so, mm-hmm. and so that's that's one way we were able to grow business and actually get into some of the larger accounts we have uh, which which I think would be impossible if you were just just selling a product on the website and and hoping that somehow you would be able to get into some of these larger accounts. So. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Did you look towards other um, hybrid businesses or nonprofits with different revenue models to, to model yourself
1: after during this process? Well, um, we, there was always this tension that once, once we started to sell products uh, within the organization as to what are we. Are we a for-profit? Are we a non-profit? Um, and, and we looked at different models of, of, for example, having either a non-profit where the for-profit would be a subsidiary of the non-profit or actually having a for-profit where some of the shares were then Given to another to an, another profit, so we looked at a lot of different models as to what what could work or what could be potentially a good way to separate our business part from the non from the the profit side of things but eventually it seemed that the that we could be a for profit then I think in some sense it was kind of a change of thinking and saying, well. Can you be a for-profit and still continue to do all the things you wanted to do as a non-profit? Why being a mm for-profit? Go ahead. Go ahead, Olivia. Oh,
0: well, so let's talk about that now because now you, and I've interrupted you before when you were walking us through the transformation, but now you are fully a for-profit organization, but you still have a social mission, a very strong one. Right. So what was the decision behind becoming fully
1: for-profit and leaving the nonprofit? So, So I think the, the decision was we, we, we felt that a lot of our time and energy now was going towards the business where we're selling these uh, compostable products, and we were not spending that much time on our educational mission. So it seems being a non-profit was was not really where we were anymore we were we had become much more uh, an entity who was involved in in commerce or business and so it seemed it made more sense that we had to somehow either convert over to a f- totally to be a for profit or somehow split out where the two sides of us were um, the for profit side and the non-profit side mm-hmm. and 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 i think and i and after a lot of discussion and debating and thinking about it, it, it kind of clicked on us that if we became totally a for-profit, it does not stop us from doing the things we wanted to do as a non-profit. So,
0: um,
1: we could still give our profits away if we, if we, as a non-profit, let's assume that all 100% of your profits goes back towards the mission. So we could say, well, As a for profit, if we are able to, uh, given the constraints of the business, we can still give away 100% of our profits if we want to. We can still do education. We can still spend money on hiring people who would talk about, who could go out and educate people on different issues. We can still do our film series. We can still do all the events we wanted to do. As a for profit, it doesn't kind of. Stop us from doing any of these things which we were doing as a profit. The only thing is that the label has changed instead of saying oh you're we are a non profit now we just say we are a for profit huh? so So we thought that we could do all the things we wanted to do as a non profit while being a for profit and I think that's been possible because we have not actually raised any funding yeah? We have basically kind of grown through the cash flow we 've been able to generate and grow the business uh the, when you do take certain funders, or, or then there might be pressures on you to mm-hmm. not do certain things. Uh, for example, we are carbon neutral. We offset all our carbon. And if you have a funding from a VC or a private entity group, they might say, well, sorry, you can't, you can't spend your money on that. That money should go in, should be reinvested in business or can, should be taken out as profit. So, so, I just want to oh, go on. So I think that that's really helped us, where we still are essentially 100% in control of what we do with the business. Mm-hmm. There's nobody telling us, you can't do this, you can't do this. And so we could be as much aligned as with our social values as we want to be yeah? or, or can afford to be. Yeah?
0: So a couple of the, the really interesting programs that you do, I want to mention them quickly. As you mentioned you offset 100% of your carbon emissions, so you have a zero carbon footprint. 25% of your pre tax profits go to social and environmental organizations, and that was about $25,000 in 2009. And you'd like to to move to giving 100% of profits to grassroots organizations. You also give discounts to schools and nonprofits on your products, and for schools, it's a 25% discount, so it's pretty significant and you use wind and solar power to power your office, and you give employees $250 a month reimbursement for public transportation. So those are those are some of the programs that you have that are very social and environmentally forward. Do you think, has this, this, has the question come up, or did the conversation come up with you and your colleagues that have you thought, well, maybe as a for-profit business we're actually able to do more because we – can generate revenue to do more, and maybe we can reach consumers in a different way that we couldn't reach um, the people who were trying to engage with our nonprofit. What do you think about that? Yeah,
1: that, that that's a very good question, um, and I, I, I think that is that is true, that is true to a large extent. Nonprofits are usually very, very constrained with the money they are able to raise, uh, and they spend a lot of time raising money. And that was one of the clear kind of uh, reasoning for us to say, hey, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to have something which would be a, a revenue stream for us. We didn't want to get into this, this raising money and asking for money and asking for going writing grants and things like that and that really limits what a lot of nonprofits do and especially when economic conditions are hard like they have been for the last 2 years a lot of the nonprofits i know have been have been really really struggling so so and as a for profit i think if you are running uh, a successful business or a business which is doing well and you do have a strong mission, then I think you can definitely do much more. Uh, with our products, we are able to reach uh, a large market market segment, which we would not have been possibly able to reach uh, if we were just a nonprofit. The, I think the question is how, for us, as we reach a broader and broader audience, is how do we integrate our educational message or our values into the products which we are selling? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and 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 I think that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And and we 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 try to we are figuring it out. Or we and we want to say how do we better integrate our values and and the educational message into the products we sell. And and as well as as you mentioned with the revenues, if we can run a successful business and generate more revenues, then we can do much much more good than we might have been able to do as a for profit. Let's let's say you are a for-profit company and you are a really large company and you are generating. And let's currently, as you mentioned, we gave 25 or uh, 25,000 dollars last year in 2009. But let's say we we were really doing well and we were generating two or four or 10 million dollars in profits and we were able to take that money and give it to environmental organizations or do our own projects which create good in the world, that is, that is huge. Yeah?
0: Mm-hmm. How do you decide how much to commit? Because there's always a balance at least between giving money to these organizations to further missions that you believe in and also having money reinvested to grow your business. So how do you deal with that balance? How do you
1: figure out what the amount to give is uh, that 's a very good question and and um, we have kind of said well we 're going to give at least twenty five percent and and please don 't ask me how do we came up with that We just said <laughs> <laughs> so we 're just going to give at least twenty five percent that seems that seems at least we should be able to do that, uh, or we want to do that regardless of what happens, and we want to give twenty five percent. And then the goal—the goal is that let's move towards taking that 25% and and, and increasing it up to 100, uh, uh, if if we can, because if we are able to, for example, in in the business uh, cycle, we are able to pay everyone who's working here, uh, put the money into. Know, whatever growth we want to do with the business. And if there's access money, which is just access money, which normally might go as dividends or um, just profit, yeah, let's give all of that away if we can. No. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to talk a bit about terminology because not only do you have this interesting genesis of your business, starting as a nonprofit, but you yourself have a background you were a NASA researcher and a software developer, so you have a very different perspective that you bring to it. I'm interested to think to get your opinion on. Do you feel that world centric practices corporate social
1: responsibility? Could you repeat that, Olivia?
0: Sure. Do you think that world centric practices corporate social responsibility?
1: Well, I I, will, I I'd like to ask you to define what what you mean exactly when you say corporate social responsibility, yeah? because it could mean so many different things to different people. Huh?
0: Right. Okay. And that's basically where I was driving with my question. Is is I'm playing with the idea in my head. I mean, of really what does corporate social responsibility mean? And I think we have such a sliding scale of definitions. So. For my, for you, I would say, well, maybe you don't practice corporate social responsibility in one sense because you really are such a, a social purpose business, and so it was just I wanted to kind of gauge your, your um, definition and your reaction to the the meaning of that terminology. Well,
1: yeah, well, that's a great question, and I have to kind of think for for a few seconds here. Um, the I, I think the corporate social responsibility is for a lot of businesses kind of an add-on. No? Mm-hmm. They 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 are doing things they normally do, and and then there is this whole social environmental awareness which is which is coming up, and so businesses are kind of saying, well, how do we how do we do things or how do we change things and. And 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 often a lot of it's greenwashing, and and often it's not really authentic. But not to say there are companies who are not really trying to be authentic and actually incorporate uh, strong social and environmental values into how they do business. But I think for us, uh, what the difference has been that we really never thought about it as corporate social responsibility. Yeah? Uh, as a responsibility. For us, say that again, please.
0: Like you you weren't thinking about it as a responsibility, you thought about it as your purpose, or something right that really exactly
1: you. yes, so it was it was not like, oh, we as a business should do these things because that would make us more responsible, but it was like, well, there's no other way to do business, this is the way to do business this is otherwise, it doesn't make sense for us to do what we are doing, yeah. mm-hmm. so I think that would be the difference between how our would see world centric and corporate social responsibility. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, mm-hmm. but um, no,
0: it was an interesting question, and I just wanted to hear what you thought about it. So right. I think that was really interesting. Do you think that as as more companies are doing, having more social responsible initiatives and programs, and it's become something that's more. Um, it's just this area has grown. It's being practiced by more businesses. More consumers are aware of it. Do you think that that takes away your competitive edge? The way that your
1: consumers look at your products, or not? Um, I am not sure. And and actually, I think if if other businesses uh, are able to do more in terms of Whatever we call corporate social responsibility or social and environmental um, things, and how they would treat the employees, how they treat the supply chain, how I think that's that's great. And if we can, if businesses in general can move towards towards that, uh, being being really uh, stewards of the environment, and 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 as well stewards of uh, how Socially, the impact they have socially on on, on in, in in when they're creating products in, in terms of their employees, the customers, uh, the supply chain. I think uh, that's 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 the way to go. And and for us, you know, it, it that I think if businesses can move towards that, I think that we don't care about the competition then. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that's been for you in developing a business with a social mission? Once you figured out if you're going to be for-profit or nonprofit, what are some of the other challenges?
1: I think the the main challenge we we've had as a business has been the lack of resources, and and that's kind of interesting because we talked about earlier about. Uh, us having not taking funding, so it's it's kind of uh, a double-edged sword in some sense because on one hand it gives you full control, but on the other hand you never have enough resources to do what you want to do. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've worked really hard. We have always been uh, uh, resource short-staffed, where we have had more work than, than people we can afford to hire. Uh, and I think that's, that's kind of been the biggest challenge, that we never had the resources to do what we could have done.
0: No? Is there, uh, have you learned anything that you could share with other businesses who are, who are looking or other people who are looking to create a business or to grow a business that
1: has a strong social purpose? Ah, uh, I don't know what to what to share with them, but to say that it's it's a lot of work. It's 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 hard work, especially if you are not going to if you're not going to have any funding. Yeah? It's uh you it's it's a lot of hard work, and 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 it often it 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 becomes hard to stay true to your mission, uh, to your values and mission because. Things come up, whether it's in business or opportunities which come up, or uh, issues come up, which which where you go, well, maybe I can do this, or maybe I can do this. But then, if you do that, if you do those things, then they're taking you away from your mission. So in in nonprofits, they call uh, mission drift. Huh? Mm-hmm. If, you know, where if you are a non nonprofit and you start doing certain things and in some ways that 's what happened to us because we are a non nonprofit and we we started to do the mission drift and we became a business. but we still feel that we stayed true to our values but if you are if you are running a business and then I think it it becomes it it is hard to kind of stay to those values and you might still again start getting some kind of a mission drift which takes you away from being a truly a sustainable business and you're becoming more and more especially as you become larger I think that those those that that has to be really the foremost thing which which has to be kept at the top of the of the pyramid that what are those values and why are we doing what we're doing. Yeah. So
0: how do you protect your mission? Do you have ways? Do you um have you do revisit your values. You evaluate every decision on if it furthers or subtracts from your mission. How have you dealt with this? Because I've heard this is a common problem that a lot of social entrepreneurs come to terms with at times.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It, it is. It is, um, it, it is a hard. Um, I don't. Know, I would say hard. It, it is. A, it is a challenging. It is definitely challenging to kind of keep those mission and values. Uh, at, at the top of the pyramids uh, and and always be thinking about it. So I, I wouldn't say that we make our every decision uh, kind of consciously thinking about those values, but I think there is, there is kind of an unconscious uh, thinking about those values when decisions are made. No? Mm-hmm. Uh, because somehow those values are kind of ingrained into, I would say at least, into my psyche, but a lot of it also into the world-centric culture, and 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 so when people make decisions here, uh, there is there is a certain kind of thinking. Well, is this the right thing to do based on our values? Is this the right thing to do uh, in general? Um, and 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 I think keeping keeping somehow, and and we do we do talk about our values a lot. We do discuss them. We we kind of reevaluate as to what it means to us as we are as we are um, becoming a bigger business and 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 what 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 in sense is, is it's good to have all these social values and how we want to do things but what in sense is again our our kind of final goal or final vision and that i think in some sense keeps keeps on changing yeah? uh, is that okay, we're doing these things, we're doing all these things, we're selling these products, but where, where do we want to go? Where, where do we want to end up? And what do we want to actually achieve or see in the world? And I think mm-hmm. that, that is a continuing discussion. No? Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Uh, that's really interesting. Um, how, large is the, how many employees do you have now?
1: I think? We have 19 employees. Huh?
0: Okay. So and just, so just so I can give listeners a, a, a sense of that, so what are some of the? How did you figure out how to prioritize where you're putting your money in terms of programs? Like to put your money in carbon offsets, or to do these, to have the donations um, go to the different nonprofit organizations, or to give reimbursement to your employees. Is there anything that you can share from how you prioritized where to spend money that other smaller businesses with also limited resources could learn from? Um,
1: I think it 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 probably relates to the values uh, of the business or the values of the of the of the company as a whole. For us, it was very important to to make sure that our products are carbon neutral. Not only our products, our whole supply chain, our operations, all the transportation and freight is is carbon neutral because we we do think climate change is one of the most uh, important issues which we are facing today uh, and also one of the most serious issues. So anything we can do to mitigate that, that was very important to us. Uh, Secondly, I think on the social side, the The widespread social disparities uh, which exist globally are are a very strong uh, issue for us and if you can do anything to mitigate that or to bridge that gap by supporting uh, organizations which are working socially to uplift uh, people who have very who have very little, that was very important to us um, mm-hmm. so if if you if you, if you look at our programs, they are kind of aligned uh, along those two. And the third dimension, I think, is is the educational dimension. So they are aligned along those three dimensions. So we we do the carbon offsets. uh, We give uh, money to grassroots uh, social and environmental organizations. We have employees. We try to encourage employees to use public transport, we still do our films and series for educational work, and we support schools and nonprofits. And as well as one of the things uh, we didn't mention was that we'd offer five-compartment school trays to schools that essentially at cost. Huh? And mm-hmm. Because in the U.S. alone, there are over, I think our estimates are there are over 2 billion styrofoam trays used every year in K- K-12 to schools. Huh? New York school district alone uses 175 million styrofoam trays. Wow! Wow! So, 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 and schools don't have much money, and styrofoam is really, really cheap. And our products, even at cost, are much more expensive than than styrofoam. So, so, as a way to to encourage schools. To, to shift over to a more sustainable product, we, we offer these trays at school. And, and the other thing I think which would be good for us, which we haven't de- done that, and that was one of the questions you asked before, was um, how do we kind of integrate an educational message with the products which we sell? And maybe it's even if it's a tray which goes to a school, but a lot of kids are using these trays every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's some
0: interesting... One of my favorite examples of a company that uses their packaging for education is, is Stonyfield Farms. I'm sure you're aware of what they do with their lids and posting different messages and facts. And it's, there's some interesting ways some companies are using their products to educate as well and their packaging to educate. Um, so I'm sure you think a lot about the challenges as you're running this business. What are some, is there one or two programs or something you've done that you're particularly proud of?
1: Um, programs. When you when you say programs, um,
0: or initiatives. I mean, is there something that you're particularly proud of that perhaps was easy to implement, or perhaps you really had to struggle to implement it, but you just think, "Wow, you know, this makes this is something that I really connect with, and I'm very pleased to say that WorldCentric
1: offers this or contributes this." Um, well, I I think the what I think we could say we are proud of would be that we were, and this is this is this is kind of a broad broad initiative, not a particular initiative. That we were we were one of the first movers in this space in the compostable products for the food service disposables, and is the amount of uh, plastic and styrofoam. And goes which goes into the landfills is is amazing it's, it's just astounding uh it's the i think it's somewhere in trillions of tons in the u s
0: so
1: and wow. so as as a result of being in this space and being a prime remover, uh what i think we have in some sense, changed the industry where some of the larger players now, like Pactive and Solo and Dixie, are have entered into this space and are starting to provide products which are similar to the products which we sell and so that I think we can be really proud of in some sense that we were able to move a whole industry which is so wasteful to starting to be more green. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's really, that's really interesting. I mean that's really important. And are you do, do any of these companies come to you for best practices or to learn what you've done or do they seem to have a handle on it? I mean, is there any type of collaboration or sharing that goes on?
1: No, no, there's, uh, there's very little collaboration or sharing goes on because uh, interestingly in the business space, if you are uh, selling the same product, uh, it's almost an adversarial relationship, um, in the sense that you're considered a competitor, right? and uh, and so there's very, unfortunately, there's very little collaboration which happens. I don't know how it is in other, other businesses or other um, trade channels or industry channels in terms of market segments, but what we've found is that um, that it's, it's a young space. Uh, there's a lot of growth potential, and so the, the companies which are in this space, they essentially are very, very competitive and, and very little collaboration happens. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the sector of sustainable or socially responsible business is still forming. Is there anything from someone who's been in the sector that stands out sector could do better? Is it off-target somewhere? It's just a personal opinion, more general question.
1: Sorry, Olivia, I didn't didn't get the first part of that question. Can you repeat, please?
0: Sure. The sustainable business or social business sector is still forming. Do you see it as being off-target anywhere, or is there things that this sector as a whole could do better?
1: Okay. I'm I'm going to say something which uh, may not be taken... In, in the right way, what I find is that the business the way the business is done in in u s that it a lot of times is just about making money and making profits and getting a product out huh? and even a lot of the a lot of the green and sustainable businesses out there there is a lot of marketing and a lot of hype and just to sell the product out to to the to the person and and the products often may be better, but often they are not better they are, they are could be equivalent to just something else. What my personal feeling is that we mo- need to move towards being more and more authentic and more transparent as uh, especially for a business which is deems itself as a sustainable business huh? and i i 'm not sure how you get that level of authenticity uh, authenticity and transparency into a business so that a consumer who is bombarded by millions of advertising messages every day is able to kind of say quickly say yeah well this i realize that this business is truly a sustainable business and doing something which i can connect with uh, and i think even when when i look at the sustainable Business space, I find that that's what's lacking is this kind of a transparency and authenticity as uh, as how businesses are portraying themselves.
0: So. It's really important, and I think that you've also touched on one of the challenges of that is how how do you do that when there's so many competing messages and some of them, of course, are not as full of integrity and honesty as they could be. So how do you? Communicate that to your consumers
1: and uh, different stakeholders. Yeah, so, I, I think that's uh, that's an excellent question, and I think it's extremely extremely hard to to do that. Uh, as you said, when there are so many so many messages, so how do you how do you how do you kind of even catch the eye of the consumer? Is right? mm-hmm. okay,
0: there anything else that you want to add to the conversation today?
1: Thank you for uh, for taking the time to talk with me, and it's been it's been an interesting conversation.
0: It's been really interesting for me, and it's it's interesting to see your business grow and be successful from its, its roots as a nonprofit that was really aimed at education. So. It's, a fascinating model and a story, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to having her. my readers and listeners hear this story. Thanks for taking the time today.
1: For more interviews about Cause Capitalism, visit causecapitalism.com.